Everyone loves to listen to a good book, and there are so many wonderful ones to choose, so we decided to bring you this podcast of Stories Come to Life. Each episode features a story from either classic or modern literature, especially chosen to be interesting and exciting to hear. So sit back, relax, and listen to this story come to life. Welcome to Stories Come to Life. I am your host, Catherine Lopez Luker. Kindness and beauty are both wonderful qualities to be blessed with. But where beauty is often out of our control, kindness is something people can develop and add to their characters, no matter what their outward appearance may be like. Today's stories are two traditional African folktales, Mufaro's Beautiful Daughters, retold by John Steptoe, and Chinya, retold by Obi Anyafulu. In these tales, kindness is discovered to be of far greater worth than just outward beauty, and sometimes unkindness carries terrible penalties. These two stories seem to me to represent the principles of collective work and responsibility and faith. There may be other principles they represent as well. What can you find in these tales? Now sit back, relax, and listen to these stories come to life. Mufaro's Beautiful Daughters A Traditional African Folk Tale Retold here by John Steptoe A long time ago, in a certain place in Africa, a small village lay across a river and half a day's journey from a city where a great king lived. A man named Mufaro lived in this village with his two daughters, who were called Manyara and Nyasha. Everyone agreed that Manyara and Nyasha were very beautiful. Manyara was almost always in a bad temper. She teased her sister whenever their father's back was turned, and she had been heard to say, Someday, Nyasha, I will be a queen, and you will be a servant in my household. If that should come to pass, Nyasha responded, I will be pleased to serve you, but why do you say such things? You are clever and strong and beautiful. Why are you so unhappy? Because everyone talks about how kind you are, and they praise everything you do, Manyara replied. I'm certain that father loves you best, but when I am queen, everyone will know that your silly kindness is only weakness. Nyasha was sad that Manyara felt this way, but she ignored her sister's words and went about her chores. Nyasha kept a small plot of land, on which she grew millet, sunflowers, yams, and vegetables. She always sang as she worked, and some said it was her singing that made her crops more bountiful than anyone else's. One day, Nyasha noticed a small garden snake resting beneath a yam vine. Good day, little Nyoka, she called to him. You are welcome here. You will keep away any creatures who might spoil my vegetables. She bent forward, gave the little snake a loving pat on the head, and then returned to her work. From that day on, Nyoka was always at Nyasha's side when she tended her garden. It was said that she sang all the more sweetly when he was there. 
Mufaro knew nothing about how Manyara treated Nyasha. Nyasha was too considerate of her father's feelings to complain, and Manyara was always careful to behave herself when Mufaro was around. Early one morning, a messenger from the city arrived. The great king wanted a wife. The most worthy and beautiful daughters in the land are invited to appear before the king, and he will choose one to become queen, the messenger proclaimed. Mufaro called Manyara and Nyasha to him. It would be a great honor to have one of you chosen, he said. Prepare yourselves to journey to the city. I will call together all our friends to make a wedding party. We will leave tomorrow as the sun rises. But my father, Manyara said sweetly, it would be painful for either of us to leave you, even to be wife to the king. I know Nyasha would grieve to death if she were parted from you. I am strong, send me to the city, and let poor Nyasha be happy here with you. Mufaro beamed with pride. The king has asked for the most worthy and the most beautiful. No, Manyara, I cannot send you alone. Only a king can choose between two such worthy daughters. Both of you must go. That night, when everyone was asleep, Manyara stole quietly out of the village. She had never been in the forest at night before, and she was frightened. But her greed to be the first to appear before the king drove her on. In her hurry, she almost stumbled over a small boy who suddenly appeared standing in the path. Please, said the boy, I am hungry. Will you give me something to eat? I have brought only enough for myself, Manyara replied. But please, said the boy, I am so very hungry. Out of my way, boy. Tomorrow I will become your queen. How dare you stand in my path? After traveling for what seemed to be a great distance, Manyara came to a small clearing. There, silhouetted against the moonlight, was an old woman, seated on a large stone. The old woman spoke. I will give you some advice, Manyara. Soon after you pass the place where two paths cross, you will see a grove of trees. They will laugh at you. You must not laugh in return. Later you will meet a man with his head under his arm. You must be polite to him. How do you know my name? How dare you advise your future queen? Stand aside, you ugly old woman, Manyara scolded, and then rushed on her way without looking back. Just as the old woman had foretold, Manyara came to a grove of trees, and they did indeed seem to be laughing at her. I must be calm, Manyara thought. I will not be frightened. She looked up at the trees and laughed out loud. Ha ha! I laugh at you, trees, she shouted, and she hurried on. It was not yet dawn when Manyara heard the sound of rushing water. The river must be up ahead, she thought. The great city is just on the other side. But there, on the rise, she saw a man with his head tucked under his arm. Manyara ran past him without speaking. A queen acknowledges only those who please her, she said to herself. I will be queen. I will be queen. I will be queen, she chanted as she hurried on toward the city. Nyasha woke at the first light of dawn. As she put on her finest garments, she thought how her life might be changed forever beyond this day. 
I'd much preferred to live here, she admitted to herself. I'd hate to leave this village and never see my father or sing to little Nioka again. Her thoughts were interrupted by loud shouts and a commotion from the wedding party assembled outside. Manyara was missing! Everyone bustled about, searching and calling for her. When they found her footprints on the path that led to the city, they decided to go on as planned. As the wedding party moved through the forest, brightly plumed birds darted about in the cool green shadows beneath the trees. Though anxious about her sister, Nyasha was soon filled with excitement about all there was to see. They were deep in the forest when she saw the small boy standing by the side of the path. You must be hungry, she said, and handed him a yam she had brought for her lunch. The boy smiled and disappeared as quietly as he had come. Later, as they were approaching the place where the two paths crossed, the old woman appeared and silently pointed the way to the city. Nyasha thanked her and gave her a small pouch filled with sunflower seeds. The sun was high in the sky when the party came to the grove of towering trees. Their uppermost branches seemed to bow down to Nyasha as she passed beneath them. At last, someone announced that they were near their destination. Nyasha ran ahead and topped the rise before the others could catch up with her. She stood transfixed at her first sight of the city. Oh, my father, she called. A great spirit must stand guard here. Just look at what lies before us. I never, in all my life, dreamed there could be anything so beautiful. Arm in arm, Nyasha and her father descended the hill, crossed the river, and approached the city gates. Just as they entered through the great doors, the air was rent by piercing cries, and Manyara ran wildly out of a chamber at the center of the enclosure. When she saw Nyasha, she fell upon her, sobbing. Do not go to the king, my sister. Oh, please, father, do not let her go, she cried hysterically. There is a great monster there, a snake with five heads. He said that he knew all my faults and that I displeased him. He would have swallowed me alive if I had not run. Oh, my sister, please do not go inside that place. It frightened Nyasha to see her sister so upset. But leaving her father to comfort Manyara, she bravely made her way to the chamber and opened the door. On the seat of the great chief's stool lay the little garden snake. Nyasha laughed with relief and joy. My little friend, she exclaimed, it's such a pleasure to see you. But why are you here? I am the king. Nioka replied, and there, before Nyasha's eyes, the garden snake changed shape. I am the king. I am also the hungry boy with whom you shared a yam in the forest, and the old woman, to whom you made a gift of sunflower seeds. But you know me best as Nioka. Because I have been all of these things, I know you to be the most worthy and most beautiful daughter in the land. It would make me very happy if you would be my wife. And so it was that a long time ago, Nyasha agreed to be married. The king's mother and sisters took Nyasha to their house, 
and the wedding preparations began. The best weavers in the land laid out their finest cloth for her wedding garments. Villagers from all around were invited to the celebration, and a great feast was held. Nyasha prepared the bread for the wedding feast, from millet that had been brought from her village. Mufaro proclaimed to all who would hear him that he was the happiest father in all the land, for he was blessed with two beautiful and worthy daughters, Nyasha the queen and Manyara, a servant in the queen's household. The End Chinya A Traditional African Folk Tale Retold by Obi Onyafulu Long ago there lived a girl called Chinya. Her mother and father were dead, so she lived with her stepmother, Nikechi, and her stepsister, Adanma. Every day, Nikechi made Chinya do all the work and sent her back and forth through the forest to fetch water. Chinya was a quiet, obedient girl, and she worked as hard as she could to please Nikechi. She got no help from Adanma who was spoiled and lazy. One night, there was no water in the house to cook supper. Adanma had used all of it for a bath. But it was no good trying to explain this to Nikechi. Go to the stream at once and get more water, you bad girl, she shouted angrily. To reach the stream, Chinya had to go through the forest. Wild animals prowled there, and even on moonlit nights, the bravest villagers stayed at home. Chinya begged Nikechi to let her borrow water from a neighbor instead. It was no good. Be off with you, Nikechi shouted, thrusting the heavy water pot into Chinya's arms. Weeping, Chinya set off into the forest. Danger lurked behind every tree. A lion roared, and her heart jumped. Then, right in front of her, a shape loomed up on the path. Chinya screamed. Too terrified to run, she shut her eyes and prayed. Where are you going, child? asked a gentle voice. Chinya opened her eyes in wonder. By the light of the moon, the shape looked like an antelope. To the stream, to fetch water, she whispered. The forest is no place for you at this time of night, the voice said. Go home. Chinya shook her head. I can't. My life is bad enough already without making my stepmother angry. The shape sighed and let Chinya pass. A little further on, a second shape appeared. This one looked like a hyena. Once again, Chinya screamed and shut her eyes. But the creature's voice was full of love and kindness. Hearing why Chinya was out so late, it said, Go on your way with my blessing, but take care. A lion is following me. Hide behind this tree and wait until it has passed. When the lion had gone, Chinya crept out from behind the tree and hurried on toward the stream. She hastily filled her water pot, then ran back the way she had come. Suddenly, right in front of her, she saw an old woman bent with age. Bless you, child she told Chinya, reaching out as if to hold her. Listen to me. As you go on your way, you will pass a hut and hear the sound of drums and singing. 
Go in, and you will find the floor of the hut covered with gourds, some big, some small, some quiet, some noisy. One of them will call to you, Take me! But do not do it. It is full of evil things. Choose the smallest, quietest gourd, and when you get home, break it open on the ground. The old woman blessed her again and disappeared. Sure enough, in a little while, Chinya heard the sound of drums and singing, and there by the path in the moonlight stood a hut she had never seen before. Chinya lowered her water pot carefully to the ground and went in. Everything was just as the old woman had said. Gourds of every shape and size covered the floor, and from one of them a voice cried, Take me! But Shinya remembered the old woman's warning. She searched until she found the smallest, quietest gourd, and took that instead. Once more the figure of the old woman appeared. You have chosen wisely, she said. Make good use of whatever fortune brings you. She stretched out a hand and touched Chinya tenderly on the cheek. Now go home in peace, my child. Niketchi was waiting at the door of their hut. What took you so long, she demanded, glaring. And what's that in your hand? She pointed suspiciously at the gourd Chinya was carrying. An old woman gave it to you? What's inside? She snatched the gourd and rattled it violently, but it made no sound and she tossed it aside. Hurry up and build a fire. We've waited long enough for food tonight, she shouted. So there was no chance for Chinya to break open the gourd that night. Next morning, Chinya awoke early. Niketchi and Adanma were fast asleep. Chinya found the gourd and crept out to her father's hut, then locked the door and smashed the gourd on the ground. At the stroke, the bear hut was transformed into a treasure house. Gold ornaments spilled across the floor, mingled with ivory and swaths of rare damask in all the colors under the sun. Chinya rubbed her eyes. Then she ran to wake her stepmother. When Niketchi saw the treasure, for once in her life she was speechless. To think that such treasure had come from a gourd. Why couldn't it have been Adanma who met the old woman? Aha! Niketchi's eyes gleamed greedily. Maybe it was not too late. That very night, Niketchi carried out her plan and sent Adanma down to the stream to fill the pot. Like Chinya, Adanma met the antelope, the hyena, and the old woman. But unlike Chinya, she paid no attention to the old woman's advice, and when she came to the hut and heard one of the biggest gourds say, Take me! She did just that. Look, mother, she said proudly when she got home. I chose the biggest gourd I could. Niketchi rubbed her hands. The bigger the gourd, the greater the treasure. And with a cry of, We're rich! We're rich! She snatched the gourd from Adanma and dashed it to the floor. There was a flash of light and a clap of thunder. Niketchi and Adanma screamed and clutched each other. A great whirlwind sprang up, gathered up all their belongings, and flung them out through the window. Pots, 
Pans, clothes, and cowrie shells were swept away into the night. Nikechi and Adonma had lost everything. Too proud to ask Jinya for help, Nikechi left the village forever, taking Adonma with her. And Jinya? She used her wealth to help the people of her village and lived happily ever after. The End This is your host, Catherine Lopez Luker. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Stories Come to Life. Be sure to join us next time when we begin a new book. You can find a link to our podcast on the Marshall Public Library webpage, www.marshallpl.org. I'll talk to you again soon.